0: Hello! Okay. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Frankenstein Podcast from Planet 13. It's the Punk Rock Popcorn Pajama Party Podcast.
1: And it's a special day today.
0: It is. This episode's going out on a a particularly spooky day.
1: It's Friday the 13th.
0: Part 2. Ooh. Yeah, welcome to a special Friday the 13th episode of Frankenstein Podcast from Planet 13. This is a podcast where we talk about horror punk songs and the movies that inspire them. And what did we watch this week?
1: This week we watched Friday the 13th Part 2 from 1981, made with an incredibly quick turnaround from the release of the unexpectedly popular Friday the 13th. Which in turn was made due to the unexpectedly popular Halloween by John Carpenter. So we've got a a triple slasher sort of... You can see a direct route between Halloween and Friday the 13th Part 2 here. What was clearly at the time a clamouring for slasher flicks. Don't know if I'm jumping... Jumping the goat? Is that what you say?
0: Yeah, people say jumping the goat.
1: I don't know if I'm jumping goat here.
0: Is that what they say? Yeah, that's the expression. Jumping the goat.
1: I don't know if I'm jumping... It's boat. I knew it didn't sound quite right. It's, no, it's jumping it, the gun! It's not
0: boats either, honey!
1: <laughs> I don't know if I'm jumping the goat here, but um, <laughs> I feel like we're really- okay, shit. <laughs> you would
0: better leave all of this in. I will,
1: I promise. Okay. <clears throat> Let me start again. So yeah. <laughs> shit. Okay.
0: You don't know if you're jumping the goat here, but
1: I feel like this is where the rocket to the moon starts to falter.
0: Mm, yeah, there's a there's a distinct sense of um, engine failure.
1: Yeah, should we get should we just get straight into it? Yeah, like an ice pick to the dome.
0: Straight to the dome, which is a great place to start. So, this film follows on from the events of Friday the Thirteenth. The majority of this film takes place five years after that but it opens with well i was going to say it opens with a scene that sort of follows more directly on what it actually opens on is six minutes and 22 seconds of flashback
1: yeah oh my god it i knew it was going to be bad oh and, it, and well i didn't know it was going to be bad because it wasn't actually that bad but i knew when we were watching that opening six minutes and 22 of flashback and the flashback is just footage from the first film. Um,
0: including stuff that the character who's having the flashback couldn't have flashed back to because she wasn't there for it.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the name of the final girl from the Alice. first film. Alice. So she's having a nightmare, and her nightmare is about the events of Friday the 13th. I'm sure you've seen this. Uh, we've seen it twice now. It it was... It was Functional. I don't know how many people were going to the pictures, going to the cinema to watch Friday the 13th Part 2 and hadn't seen the first one, but I guess they assumed that they must need to put in an explanation as to why these events are occurring, so they put in this flashback scene. Fucking hell, man, it was a drag.
0: It was. I've got, um, like a little, a little bee in my bonnet about films being too long. Mm -hmm. I feel like films have got longer and longer, we just saw... We went to the cinema, we went out of the house and went to the cinema this weekend and watched The Suicide Squad, perfectly enjoyable film, was in excess of two hours, did not need to be. No. So sometimes when we're picking the film we're going to watch for the podcast, I'll be pretty excited to see that, for example, it is a tight 86. Yeah. And I'll say that. So we put on, we selected Friday the 13th part two, I was like, oh nice, yeah. tight 86. If you're going to make a film that just barely reaches the legal length of a feature-length film, which is about, like, 85 minutes...
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: Six minutes of it being flashback does seem a little paddy.
1: Yeah, well, they would—they just wanted to rush this thing out, I think. They just wanted to get it out the door and into the theatres as quickly as they could. And it does definitely show... Yeah, um,
0: uh, it it doesn't quite have the same... The first one, I guess, had a lot of heart. Like, yeah, we threw this together. It didn't take us very long. Yeah. But...
1: Well, it had Tom Savini doing the special effects. Mm. They couldn't get him back. He said no way. Did he? Yeah. um, I
0: noticed it it was a different director as well.
1: Different director. It was Sean Cunningham, the first one? Yeah. Basically, it's it's hard to think back and think of it now. But the idea of Jason being alive quotation marks was absurd and it is absurd if you watch the first film him being dead is the whole motivation of the main uh, antagonist like him being alive makes no fucking sense whatsoever yes. but they went ahead and made him alive in this film and a lot of people involved with the first film said that's stupid i'm not getting involved in this and you can you notice in this film that there are certain elements that are quite lacking that were present in the first film.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with that, and that includes the practical effects, which I guess speaks to the absence of Tom Savini. Something that makes absolutely no sense, but also made no sense in the first film, is that uh, Jason was supposed to have died in the 50s. Yeah. And the film takes place in 1980, the first one. Yeah. So the boy that jumps out of the lake and grabs her, yeah. in theory, is like 23 years old.
1: Yeah. well, None of it makes any sense, man.
0: Don't think about it too hard.
1: He, he couldn't swim, but he somehow managed to get up to the surface of the lake that time, didn't he? Why didn't he just do that the first time? <laughs> I guess he learned while he was surviving for 25 years in the wilderness of Camp Arawak, eating crayfish and snails.
0: Yeah. Getting
1: hench as fuck.
0: Yeah. So we're getting into it now with, like, the events of Friday the 13th, part two. We're not going to do, like, a plot recap, but the killer in this one is Jason. He's got a pillowcase on his head. He's been living in the woods for five years since the event of the first film.
1: I did not notice when they mentioned that in the film, by the way. I had to ask you towards the end, like, wait, this is set five years in the future? (laughs) And you're like, yeah. But that made... The scene at the start with Alice where she's mom I've got to live my own life and do it. And... So
0: that part takes place about two months after the end of the first film. This is all discussed in the most boring like campfire chat scene you can imagine.
1: Right. You
0: almost certainly tuned it out and with I good reason. I was thinking
1: when he's when he was doing that campfire scene and he was talking about the legend of Jason. I was like dude that was like three weeks ago. Jesus Christ have a heart. <laughs> <laughs>
0: If it had been 3 weeks ago it would be even more insane that this guy had opened up a camp counselor training center like seemingly 2 minutes walk away from the site of an absolute atrocity.
1: It's just a hop and skip over a rock away.
0: Yeah. Rock so away beach. we're getting into it a little bit now with like things that stood out about this film and I think we are probably going to talk about more of the film's problems than its successes. But I want to talk a little bit about what I felt was successful about it. Um, I felt a little bit more like the characters had a bit more interesting personalities. I could remember the differences between them a little bit more. Um, Especially, like, they had a, a character, Mark, who's in a wheelchair, and at least you had, like, you know, one character who's a bit distinct from the rest of the sort of... Average-looking white teenagers.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't feel that way at first. And I thought, oh, God, there's. I said to you as we were watching it, there's loads here, this body count is going to be high. Mm. Uh, but then in the second act, all of these people just go away to a nightclub and basically don't come back, uh, which did halve the cast Yeah. effectively. And it
0: did quickly remove there were a few um actors of color playing people in the in the camp counselor training group there was an african american guy and an asian woman at least but they went off to party and so they were safe yeah which is
1: this is good. the one slasher film i think where going away to party means you're safe
0: yeah this was again another another case of the trope
1: subversion the
0: friday the 13th movies Not delivering on me wanting to see people get in trouble and get stabbed for partying. The people who go away and have a party, absolutely fine. They have a great time.
1: These kids smoke better dope than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I I liked it. Uh, From the second act onwards, I started to warm to the film quite a bit. Mm. It it still had its problems. Uh, That girl, I don't even know her name. I had a crush on her. The camera follows her ass. Oh yes. I also twenty second tracking shot that is just obscene.
0: (laughs) I also don't know what her name was. She was the one that had the dog named Muffin. I remember the dog's name.
1: Oh yeah, the dog that she brings this like pampered pooch to a camp and it goes missing. And you get a kind of double fake out where you think it's been mutilated. But she is so kind of like not that bothered that it's missing. She makes a half-hearted attempt to find it, and then she's like, "Ah,
0: I'll go for a swim instead."
1: Yeah, I'll get naked and go for a swim at night. You
0: know, more nudity in this one.
1: Oh, they knew, they knew what the formula was, didn't they?
0: Yeah, it was interesting because you said to me that um, with the first one, it was they got quite a lot of unexpected gore past the censors, and mm-hmm. it was more gory. And that's definitely true. This one was. The kills were way less gory. They were generally quicker. I guess not having Savini on board made, meant that they couldn't do some of the more like elaborate yeah. kills and stuff. Um, so the gore was way down, but the nudity was up.
1: Yeah. It was pre-internet. They, they knew that they could get money by showing titties and horny teenagers would go and see it because that's the only place they could go and pay to see that stuff.
0: You told me just before we started recording this that one of the actresses was not of legal age and they had to cut some of the footage.
1: Yeah, so we were saying like, oh my god, she looks so young.
0: Yeah, she had a very young face.
1: And yeah, it turns out she was 16 years old and they filmed a full frontal uh, nudity scene with her and had to (laughs) put the kibosh on that pretty quick. But yeah, man. It was just different times. Well, yeah. We'd hope.
0: Yeah, you'd hope, yes. Well quite. But um yeah, a little bit wild west. I guess like the sort of world of low budget filmmaking. Yeah. Would be like that.
1: I wonder what the budget for it was actually. I might just look that up real quick. Okay, so the budget for this one estimated uh one and a quarter million.
0: Oh, that's lots higher than the first one.
1: It's lots higher. It's still pretty low budget. Yeah. Um it's opening weekend, it opened to a box office of six and a half million.
0: It's not as high as I was expecting.
1: On its open weekend, it, it what's What's bigger than quadruple? Fifth fifth toppled?
0: <laughs> yeah, it... Uh, ah,
1: see, you don't know either. You laughed, but you don't know.
0: I think it's right? Because it's six it's, times.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, what's the five one?
0: Quintupled.
1: Ah. And it had a worldwide gross of $21.7 million, that's... which from a budget of one point two million is some pretty good return on investment. No wonder they made more of these.
0: Yeah. You were saying uh, before that, you know, Sean S. Cunningham didn't come back because it was so stupid that Jason would be alive. Uh, but then he did go on to make Jason X, where not only is he alive, but he's a robot in space. <laughs>
1: Well, I guess by that point they fall.
0: <laughs> yeah, what's what's left?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I enjoyed this film. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it more as it went on, and then I started to really enjoy it. And then, even despite its flaws, its lack of resolution to a lot of characters, you don't find out what happens to hot naked butt girl. I don't. What was that fake out with Muffin?
0: Yeah, Muffin was fine.
1: how could... Like, they showed an identical dog, even to the ribbon in its fur, mutilated. And then it's like, ah, that must have been another pampered pooch out here on Camp Crystal Lake with an identical ribbon that got mutilated. That was a bit of a bullshit fake-out.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of stuff like that. Also...
1: John? Paul?
0: Paul, he's the the guy who owns the camp.
1: What happened to him? What happened
0: to him? There was a guy... That we first encountered, who's a very, very much, um, and what I would think of as an American movie stereotype, which is like a sort of dorky seeming, redheaded the joke guy star. who's yeah, like always d- pulling goofy jokes. You would really expect something to happen with that guy, but he just got drunk at a party and then never seen again.
1: Yeah, he just turns to an old couple and he goes, uh, is there any after hours places around here?" And the old guy looks at him, doesn't he? Just kind of goes like, "Sure are." <laughs> and he kind of like mimics him like Ooh. and that's it
0: yeah it's it's very I want
1: to see a film where he goes to an after hours place and has like a sex comedy kind of thing <laughs>
0: um yeah it's it felt like this very unthought through uh thing which would sort of be fine if it was like just a linked together series of practical effects set pieces because the original film, it was
1: a haunted house ride almost, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: like it had, it had a plot holding it all together and like a twist and stuff, but yeah. it was mainly just a series of set pieces that were sort of linked.
1: It was really annoying because it sounded like they were going to set they set up set pieces with the camp counselor guy saying, you know, a camp can be a very dangerous place and we've got to be safe. Yeah, and he's... You've spe- got chainsaws, axes...
0: Knives, knives, lanterns.
1: Lanterns. And I was like, okay, well... We, you looked at me and you are like, okay, we've got to look out for the axe kill, the saw kill, the knife kill, the lantern kill.
0: None no! of it happened. he
1: showed uh, Ginny, I think her name was. Jenny. yeah. Using cut. the chainsaw.
0: She uses a chainsaw to cut up a piece of wood and then there's a tracking shot as she puts the chainsaw away. And to be fair, the chainsaw is then used again. It's a Chekhov saw. Is it? But yeah, it's just used to like scare Jason away
1: oh like he he's sort of attacking
0: her at the end and she like scares him away but
1: it feels like a missed opportunity
0: it absolutely was a missed opportunity and I felt like this film was a little bit full of missed opportunities it also just raised so many questions uh there is something that we love to talk about in this in this podcast when we talk about films we like to talk about if a film has a good sense of geography Mm. if you know where things are in relation to each other yeah and the geography of this film had me scratching my head to say the least.
1: Yeah, so Jason lives in a cabin in the woods that he's built himself from trash and a toilet. And, uh, oh, his <laughs> severed mother's head. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is never mentioned. You never get that resolution. They never, the police never say. And they never found his mother's head. But he just has it. Yeah. Anyway, he lives in his garbage cabin in the woods
0: and he's supposedly been living there for at least five years but in practice like twenty something
1: yeah and you and the students are warned to stay away from Camp Blood which is what they call the Camp, Crystal, Camp Lake. Crystal Lake
0: so that's supposedly, that's in walking distance two students walk over the boundary into the area that's considered Camp Crystal Lake, and they get told off for doing yeah. that because it's condemned. But it seems like it's a very short walk away. An extremely short walk from the camp. I think the camp that they're at is called Camp... Arawak. Oh, is that right? I think so, yeah. I th- I thought it was Camp Pakanak.
1: Oh, shit.
0: Uh, but, you know, one of those, like, American camp names. Yeah. <laughs> um... Like, it seems like an incredibly short walk from there to Jason's stupid Jason house. It
1: is Camp Pakanak. Where did I get Camp Arawak from? It's the
0: title of a Jason song.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, it we must...
0: So it probably has some connection. So why has no one seen Jason's stupid Jason house before? I know. What, like, in the, over the course of this film, which takes place over the course of, like, really three or four hours... Three separate people stumble across it. So how has no one done that in the preceding five years? Yeah. It's very goofy.
1: It, it literally does seem to be across a puddle. They, they use an establishing shot of a puddle with a rock in it.
0: That lets you know that they're approaching... They're
1: transitioning from one camp to the next. Yeah. And it, it does seem to be a stone's throw away from Camp Pakanak, you are right. Camp Arawak is from Sleepaway Camp, 1983. Ah. A film I've never seen, so I must have just picked it up from the Jasons.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Yeah.
0: I um, like going away to summer camp is not really a thing here in the United Kingdom, but it seems like uh, there's some kind of in, in the early eighties there's a big anxiety in the national psyche about yeah <laughs> about summer camp.
1: Well, I guess it's just these films uh, with Friday the Thirteenth being made in response to Halloween. I'm guessing that Sleepaway Camp 1983 was made in response to the success of Friday the 13th. Yeah. So it's, it's so interesting. Whenever we watch these slasher films, I want to know more. It seems like there's a whole genre here that I can really sink my teeth into. Yeah. Really hack away at. <laughs> um, but I must restrain myself before I spend all my money on eBay on tapes.
0: On tapes? Yeah, You'd I'm also think... have to get us a, a VCR then, I guess. I'm thinking
1: of get into the VCR. It looks more... I've seen people do it on the internet. No doubt. You're giving me that look. am not going to get any tapes.
0: <laughs> um, I've lost my train of thought completely.
1: Okay, well, how do you rate Jason's fit?
0: Oh, Jason's...
1: His drip. His swag. Because okay. this is pre hockey mask jason
0: it is pre hockey mask Jason. the
1: iconic hockey mask nowhere to be seen in this film it's got more of a well okay you I'll, tell me
0: i'll i'll talk about the fit from the part of it we see the most working upwards because we see his feet absolutely loads
1: can i give you an interesting t- bit of information
0: Always. That
1: opening scene where the kid is singing Itsy Bitsy Spider in the yeah, rain. Yeah, what was that about? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and you see Jason's feet. Mm. And I, I made a note on my phone at that point saying, Jason has cool jeans. Because uh, he's wearing like Levi's or something. Rango's maybe? Maybe Lee? Um, anyway, that was the only time in Friday the 13th movie history that Jason on camera was actually played by a woman it was a woman's legs i've forgotten her name i'm sorry Uh, but
0: was it definitely supposed to be jason
1: yeah i guess so he'd come for
0: yeah it's the scene where he's stalking alice but yeah i did
1: in the fridge anyway the refrigerator
0: so yeah starting with the boots so he's wearing like a pair of pretty normal work boots uh they are fine I I rate them a 6 out of 10. The whole time I was kind of wondering, like, if he's been living wild in the woods this whole time, where did he get the fit? Uh, But you were like, yeah, he probably stole it off a washing line or something. Which brings to mind a whole new sort of adorable scene of him with his pillowcase head, just like (laughs) scrumping from someone's washing line.
1: Michael Myers does that in Halloween, doesn't he? He kills a a farmer or something.
0: Oh yeah, and steals his clothes. Steals
1: his, his overalls, yeah. Uh,
0: I thought you meant hangs out by a washing line, which he also does.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ellen Lutter, by the way, played Jason in that scene. She was the fashion uh, costume wardrobe department woman on that Friday the 13th part 2 and I guess they just said, ah, oh, you just put a costume on.
0: That's fun.
1: We just gotta fucking film this thing, dammit!
0: Uh so then the jeans he yeah, he is wearing quite a nice pair of of wranglers or whatever, like uh so those I give an eight out of ten. Yeah. Uh then he's wearing just like a check shirt. Yeah. It it's it's pretty good. I do wonder like how his clothes are so clean.
1: Uh They don't look that clean.
0: They're more clean than I would expect from someone who's living in the woods. Fair point. Five out of ten, just normal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but his headwear.
1: His headwear. What, did he have a hat on or something? Some earrings.
0: <laughs> he, was, uh, he was wearing a little yarmulke, which is very surprising.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, he—he's uh, wearing a pillowcase with one eye hole cut out
1: and a rope around.
0: Yeah, yeah to kind of keep it around his neck, I guess. Yeah.
1: Quite an effective look, I thought. If you saw that at night, you'd, you'd shit yourself.
0: You certainly would. It was it was scary. I don't know if it was. It's so strange that it's not until later on than the than this that the hockey mask is established.
1: Yeah, like the it's third film. It's in.
0: so iconic. Like if you ask someone, like draw Jason, they draw a hockey mask. Yeah, but it's not even a thing until the third film.
1: No, so I liked his look in this i liked how he moved because he runs Mm. and he runs with a kind of like there's a scene where he's sort of running away from a police officer through this dense wooded area and the police officer is clearly a bit out of shape and not very um athletic jason is athletic and he's also i think they do a good job of making it like he's well aware of his surroundings like he's been running around these woods a lot so he's doing this very rhythmic methodical run
0: mm.
1: and you you don't see running in slasher films by the killer, especially not running away and it made it him feel like a real person and yeah. I, I quite liked that and I with felt... the pillowcase and stuff again it seems like a real person it, when it goes supernatural in the hockey mask and he's always walking slowly, but somehow he manages to catch the people Mm.
0: I had a similar feeling about like when he was because like in this uh, slasher movie there's a lot more like Jason sort of in like hand to hand combat like he wrestles with Paul and he's sort of like fought off a bit more and I actually thought kind of a different thing that he seems kind of like ungainly and a bit uncoordinated when in those scenes like Which again definitely makes him seem human but also kind of like yeah, like a a sort of big overgrown kid. Yeah. Uh, So I guess if he's sort of comfortable in his part of the, the movie in the woods he's comfortable and then when he's in confrontation with people he seems less comfortable. Now when... I wanted to talk about my favourite moment of this.
1: I think we were going to talk about the exact same thing then, at the exact same time.
0: It's possible. Uh, So what I wanted to talk about is the fact that the character of Jenny is established in the film to be a child psychologist. Yep. And there is one scene in Friday the 13th Part 2 that I just thought was really, really cool, really well done. Uh, So Jenny's found his, his Jason house... She's found his little shrine where he's got his mother's head and his mother's sweater. He's cornered her and he's about to to kill her. And she sort of like, in complete terror, but with quite a lot of composure, puts on his mother's sweater and tries to like... She does some child psychology on him. She sort of makes the assumption that this is someone who lives in the thrall of an overbearing mother and does something with that. And I thought that was really... Cool. Yeah. It was nice to see a final girl being resourceful. It was nice to see her doing something that I've never seen in a movie like that before. Yeah,
1: it was really good. And they established it earlier on at the bar because she was talking about her theory about Jason and who he would be with seeing his mother. Um,
0: yeah, the idea that he's been traumatised by seeing his mother beheaded and that that was his first real encounter with death Yeah, was in this really traumatic situation but also that like the lesson he had learned from this mother was that you solve your problems by killing
1: yeah yeah really good good on you jenny excellent final girl
0: yeah i um i rate her among my favorite final girls of all the slashers we've watched yep uh up there with
1: it is ginny not jenny ginny ginny
0: Yeah, I think there's a great final girl in House on Sorority Row. Uh, Yes. And Yeah, I'd say up that kind of tier for me.
1: Yeah. I was sad to see Crazy Ralph meet his his doom.
0: Yeah, a real shame because I think they could have got a lot more out of the character of Crazy Ralph. Doomed! I want to watch Crazy Ralph Origins.
1: Crazy Ralph and uh, the guy who went to the bar and to the after party... Give them a buddy comedy, a buddy (laughs) sex comedy where they go to a bar and he's trying to get laid and Crazy Ralph is always like, don't do it, you'll be doomed.
0: (laughs) It's perfect. Um, Yeah, also I felt like it was a cool little callback to the first film that Crazy Ralph's body was found in a pantry because he jumped out of a pantry and scared people in the first film.
1: Yeah. It's not without merit. It's a... Uh, it's an enjoyable film.
0: It has little moments of like charming self awareness when Paul tells the sort of Jason horror story at the campfire and then he asks Ginny what she thought and she said, Oh, the second act needs work, you know, using using the words of critics against them. Yeah. And stuff like it. It had some it had some moments. I think basically that the Friday the thirteenth movies aren't the slashers for me. Really? Yeah.
1: Even the first one.
0: I actually, on balance, probably enjoyed this one more than the first one.
1: What are they lacking? What do you, what do you need more of?
0: When I think about slashes that I've really enjoyed, and I haven't watched all that many, what I want is to know a lot more about the characters before they die. I don't want these kind of like, very neutral, kind of like, oh these are teenagers and also they're horny or whatever. Like, House on Sorority Row worked really well for me because I know who each girl is. I know that Vicky's kind of the bossy one and that Morgan's the dumb one and I have a better sense of who they are so I know what they're going to do. I'm more invested in them. I'm more interested in them. I wasn't really, with the exception of Mark who was distinct by being in a wheelchair but you know he had a sense of like it was made clear that he wanted to um he was convinced that he was going to walk again that doctors had told him he wouldn't and he was very determined to do it he turned down drink and drugs because in his words he's in training. in training you know I knew something about that character and so that's the one character whose name I can remember Yeah, I can remember Ginny because I mean she was the final girl fine but also like I know what he, it, her interests are. You've talked all the way through this podcast about the girl with the booty. <laughs> because we can't remember anything about her except for that we saw her butt.
1: It was possible she was Vicky. Or maybe Sandra. I
0: think she was Vicky.
1: She was Vicky. <laughs> and but, I love her.
0: <laughs> but, you know, like there was there was a lot of characters in this where it just didn't really feel like anything had happened when they died yeah Vicky's a great example actually because as you said you don't actually see her killed it's only very implied yeah and then it's never followed up you never like you know even if someone dies off camera in a slasher usually their body will be found but even that didn't happen
1: actually Vicky was uh, the girl who went and put on the satin
0: oh yeah Vicky's the girl who was hot for Mark so who's this who's the butt girl
1: who's the other girl (laughs)
0: There's another girl as well. There's the girl that's 16.
1: Yeah, she gets skewered though. She has Yeah,
0: I rem- I I know how she went, but like, you know, I also don't really you know, what was what was her deal? Is she had a boyfriend?
1: Like they had a truck.
0: They did have a truck. There's just not enough to distinguish these kids for me. To make it interesting when something bad happens, and I felt exactly the same about part one, where again I just couldn't really tell you the name of any of the characters. The only one I can really remember is Kevin Bacon, and that's because it's Kevin, Kevin friggin Bacon. Layton. Um, so that's that's why I think they're not really for me. Like, exact. It's exactly the same with Halloween. You know who Laurie is. You know who. I can't remember the names of the characters, but, you know, the the blonde horny friend and yeah. the brunette friend who's, like, that a little bit more to... foul-mouthed and grumpy. Yeah. Like, they seem distinct from one another. Whereas I I found the kids in these movies very interchangeable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's bit of a rant. I was pretty pissed off at the way Mark got offed because he got all his time to get invested in him and he was going to get laid. And you're like, yes, man, you're in. She's going to put on some brown panties for you, <laughs> you lucky boy. Because you were good at video hockey. Uh, and then he just got offed real suddenly, like yeah, way more suddenly than I could really comprehend. And that was that. And it was just very like, man.
0: Yeah, I I felt the same.
1: Unsatisfying.
0: Especially it did feel a bit more like they were building towards something with him, I did think it was kind of um like more generally rad that Mark was included as this character with a disability who was also very much portrayed as like sexually desirable yeah. and uh you know like I think that's that's would still be a fairly radical move in a horror movie today, like to yeah. To have uh, just a female character just be like openly really into this this um guy who uses a wheelchair. So what uh what song have you brought to the table to go with Friday the Thirteenth Part Two?
1: I have brought that old favorite, the Jasons. You can tell I've been listening to a lot of the Jasons lately. And their song, Mummy Got Beheaded by a Bimbo.
0: Okay, firstly, unbelievable title. Yes. Just off the charts, good.
1: Two minutes, 36 seconds. Perfect length.
0: Ramone's core perfection.
1: No more, no less.
0: It's true that we've done a Jason song fairly recently on the podcast, but, you know, when you're doing a Friday the 13th film, who better to turn to? There's no one there's no one in the game doing songs about Friday the thirteenth, quite like the Jasons.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what have you picked?
0: I've picked another staple of the podcast, another musician that we talk about a lot. Uh, it's a Wednesday thirteenth song.
1: Wednesday's World.
0: <laughs> it's uh, Till Death Do Us Party.
1: Excellent song on Fangbang. That, that also had Haddonfield on it. Yeah. A gruesome twosome of songs. Yeah, very... So perfect together.
0: Very much a gruesome twosome. Oh, well, and... this is
1: going to be hard then, because I love that song so much.
0: And you uh, you have also just alluded to the fact that we've been watching episodes of Wednesday's World. his yes. uh, His Patreon video series. Oh,
1: it's so good. It's like $3, and um, you get... There's all sorts of stuff on there, actually, but we've been watching Wednesday's World, which is a little TV series that he's making. Oh, it's so funny. I love Wednesday.
0: There's a guy who just... We'll have could... to do a
1: Wednesday the 13th episode if it's ever Wednesday the 13th.
0: Yeah, I mean, we normally release on a Friday, but we could do a Wednesday special.
1: We could do whatever we want.
0: Yeah, it's true. We make the rules. So, well, do you want to, like, make the case? Make the case-in for the Jasons?
1: Well, you know, it's pretty apt really considering it recounts what happened at the end of friday the 13th and what happens through flashback at the start of friday the 13th part two it's also uh,
0: got some pretty good like comic lyrics
1: it does do you know any
0: uh yeah it's got a bit about how she makes a great paperweight
1: that's it she makes a paperweight she makes great doorstop
0: i mean her the disembodied head is very much a uh an important part of this film yeah. And I thought one of the one of the better practical effects, one of the better props...
1: Bit weird that he put it in the fridge.
0: Mm, he does put it in the fridge at the start.
1: Like, he's got it on a kind of shrine in his cabin, which makes sense. Bit weird that he took it with him to kill Ginny and put it in the fridge to scare her. To kill Alice. Kill Alice, sorry.
0: Yeah, they're, they're a little bit out of character.
1: Yeah fuck's <laughs> going on, Jason? Maybe oh. he was all like in the big city and he felt oh,
0: whew. he needs a he needs a child psychologist.
1: He really does. Uh so death was party.
0: So this is last time we watched Friday the 13th. We chose the other uh which is called A Party at Crystal Lake. This one is also about
1: party at Crystal Lake, you're all
0: invited. It's a really good song. It is about partying. This one is also about partying. It's, uh, you know, bring the beer and don't forget the weed.
1: Like in the first one, they did, they played strip poker, I think.
0: Strip Monopoly.
1: (laughs) In this one, they play a game of chess. Come on, they're partying hard.
0: Yeah, honestly, the party in this one gets a little bit out of control when they whip out the portable digital hockey game.
1: And digital football.
0: There's a little bit of arm wrestling. (laughs) Oh
1: my word, this party is off the hook.
0: So yeah, this is another song about partying that I just feel doesn't really match up with the events of the film. The partying is not that intense.
1: Do you reckon the partying gets more intense as the film series goes on? Like, more kills, more partying, more titties.
0: I mean, I've got to assume yes, because there is obviously a big cultural association between Friday the 13th and partying mm. that just has not yet really reared its head in the film series. I
1: but wonder when they stop going to Crystal Lake and start going to other places
0: like hell and Manhattan.
1: Yeah, like, in the third one though, is it at Crystal Lake?
0: Yeah, I genuinely don't know, and I think we're only going to be able to find out a couple of times a year when there's a Friday the 13th
1: or a Wednesday the 13th
0: or a Wednesday the 13th. Well, there's a 13th every month, so...
1: Yeah, we'll just do it every 13th. Um,
0: but yeah, this one's got some lyrics. Uh, we got everything <laughs> that we need. Let's go skinny dipping, drink some beer, and don't forget the weed. But like, I I mean, there is beer drinking and skinny dipping and weed in this one, I suppose. I don't remember any
1: beer drinking.
0: There's some mm. beer drinking at the bar. But everyone at the bar is fine.
1: Just go to the party and you'll be fine. That's the thing. Yeah. Don't be a square or else then you'll get the axe. That's the real message of slasher <laughs> films.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. So we've got to decide between these two. And I feel a bit torn.
1: I'm going to pick Wednesday the 13th every time. Wednesday the 13th. <laughs> I'm so tired.
0: <laughs> it's coming across a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love Wednesday. I, lo- I love this song as well. Like, It's got really good energy. It's like a really enjoyable song it's something you could put on at your halloween party it's uh it's got exactly the right vibe
1: the jasons are so raw which is so good because it's good to be raw so they've i have yeah, got that going for them
0: i'm slightly leaning towards the jasons for this one listening to that song i laughed i thought it was pretty funny i feel like it did really encapsulate something about the film like it just focused on this one prop, which was a pretty cool prop. I mean, have we got a stalemate? Because I think my vote might be for the Jasons.
1: Yeah, I, I am tempted to vote for the Jasons actually, because they rule, man. <laughs> like, aren't you just so happy that a band like the Jasons exists?
0: Yeah, I am. One of the things that I really like is um, they. So that I through making this podcast, I have learned about the existence of the genre Ramonescore. Hmm. Which is quite weird because I wouldn't consider myself to really be a Ramones fan. You're the Ramones fan,
1: well, yeah. of the household. Horror punk wasn't niche enough.
0: But the other thing that I've really enjoyed is that the Jasons have a Ramones core side project called Von Erichs, which is which is a wrestling themed version of what they do. And yeah. we're, we both watch a, a fair bit of wrestling. Oh yeah. And uh, so yeah, like.
1: I hope the Von Erichs tour with the Jasons at some point.
0: I think it's it would almost impo- be impossible for them to not do that.
1: Do you reckon they're friends?
0: <laughs> I think they know each other.
1: Well, I would get tickets for that show.
0: The other thing is that there'll be plenty of opportunities to talk about when, songs uh, like either from Wednesday's solo work, from Murder Dolls, Frankenstein Drag Queens. He's easily the most featured person on the podcast. Yeah. He vastly outnumbers even the Misfits in terms of songs we've talked about. So I feel, you know, he'll have his chance.
1: So you're feeling like you want to you want bring the Jasons onto the podium. You want to bring them onto the first place. You want to put the Jasons in the trophy cabinet. You want to put the Jasons name. You want to etch them in the hall of the immortals. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I can dig it. The Jasons.
0: All right, this week uh, we are pairing Friday the 13th Part 2 with the Jasons. Mummy got beheaded by a bimbo.
1: Go listen to him, brother.
0: As always, thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out on social media. On Instagram at Planet underscore one three underscore podcast. On Twitter at Planet One3 Podcast. Check out our playlist on Spotify. That's the Frankenstein playlist from Planet thirteen.
1: Get in touch with us, shout at us, yell at us in the street.
0: Yep, you can reach us on any social media or you can often find us on the HorrorPunk subreddit.
1: Yep, yeah. tell us we're wrong, tell us we're right, tell us what films to watch, tell us what songs to listen to, tell us what to talk about.
0: Yeah, we are at your disposal.
1: Tell us what you eat when you're watching films. Movies. Schmoovies.
0: <laughs>
1: Do you drink a smoothie while you're watching a schmovie?
0: I, I need to nip this in the bud. <laughs> so, until next week,
1: we, we belong, belong dead. dead. Bye-bye.